Welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries as we're venturing through the short chapter of Leviticus chapter 12. And if you've been following along in uh, the book of Leviticus, I might have mentioned in the past, but if not, I'm going to make sure I mention it now, that the book of Leviticus in regards to laws really consisted of four major things in the book of Leviticus and, in the, in the, uh, and also in the realm of the Jewish sect. And those four major laws were judicial laws, uh, there was ceremonial laws, there was moral laws, and there was dietary laws. So those were the four major laws that consisted in the book of Leviticus. And, and so last week we went over some dietary laws, and I had mentioned before about how, again, you know, you wanna, if you want to know the instructions to all things, you want to go to the owner, uh, to the creator of those things. And, you know, I said before that God was the chef, God was the farmer, he was the uh, the produce manager, if you will. He he was the health inspector. God gave so many things on his creation, on the things on what to do and not to do in the form of the dietary laws. You're not to eat this, and you are to eat this, and if you eat this, this is what could happen, and so on and so forth. Because God is good and knows all things. And so... He went from he jumped from a, a dietary to a very small chapter where it was it now connects into a ritual, if you will, ritual after that of childbirth. Now you think to yourself, like, my goodness, why ritual? What does that have to do with anything in the form of childbirth? Well, I'm going to get into that. But again, you know what's interesting is I was going over this chapter. I thought to myself, like. This would be this would probably be a good chapter to be taught by a theologian slash doctor, <laughs> you know. And there are some there are some doctors that are good theologians, medical doctors. But you know, you got to do a little bit of research on certain things because you know, again, what's amazing is is that medical schools will teach certain things and and so on and so forth that God gave us from the very beginning here in the book of Leviticus. And we think to ourselves, like, wow, isn't medical science so great and advanced? And it's kind of like, yeah, over the years we've really come a long way, but the basics, the, the, the most important basics are what God gave to Moses in certain books here. And again, I, think it's just, I just think it's absolutely amazing when we look back at these things. You know, you do a little bit of research. And, and you do some medical research. And, and, you know, of course the medical research and the scientific community doesn't always quote or credit the Bible. But, you know, when you've read the Bible and you could say, like, oh, wait a minute, this is something that we do medically. Yes, this is where it stemmed from. And so, again, if you have particular talents in certain things, I think, again, these are good books to see. And, and um, you know, particular professions, if you will. You know, last week we probably could have seen uh, that of, like, chefs and, you know, could probably relate to chapter 11 very, very well. You know, in, in that of the dietary laws, and no, you you can't eat this, and here's why. You know, and if you cook it this this particular way, God already gave those instructions. So now we're going to jump into like that of a, a medical realm. You know, because also there's also other chapters that are coming up that will uh, be in regards to that of like leprosy and so on and so forth. Now again, we don't. It's not something we're used to seeing in the Western world. But, you know, for the next handful of chapters, we're going to be seeing some, uh, some medical aspects on, 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 um, on what and why in the medical world and why we shouldn't be touching certain things or consuming certain things. And, again, I find it absolutely amazing because, again, these were, this was thousands of years ago. I mean, the book of Leviticus is 
what, 4,000 years old? Somewhere around there. And so, we are... We are living in a day now to where we're very advanced, but we're still going off of the pillars of what God spoke of. We're still operating from the foundation on God's on God's hand here on how He created the human body and His instruction for certain things after things happened. But there was also the theological end. So we're going to see some of the physical. We're going to see some of the theological. And so it's really just, it's really quite amazing, I think. And again, short chapter, but, you know, interesting in the same sense. Because we're going to see, like, why, God? Why did you do this? The book of Leviticus really shows us the mind and heart of God. And, and so follow along very closely. Again, the book of Leviticus is, 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 a, uh, is a book that needs to be really looked at deeply in order to truly understand it. So I'm going to do my best and just feel free to sit back and listen as I do the work for you. It's my pleasure and my honor. And so we're going to be looking first at the verses um, 1 through 4 in Leviticus chapter 12. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman has conceived and born a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as in the days of her customary impurity, and she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And she shall then continue in the blood of her purification thirty-three days. And she shall not touch any hollowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. Now, I want to make something very clear here because of the outlook of uh, sexist outlooks, if you will, in regards to uh, women. And, and there was, unfortunately, in the ancient Near Eastern outlook, still is, um, in regards to certain things on the outlooks of women. But not in the eyes of God. But it's not that a woman was technically considered unclean. Uh, or ceremonially, maybe. But see, after the miracle of childbirth, there are bodily emissions, if you will, blood and other fluids that, that are dealt with. And, and in those fluids, those are something that, you know, again, we don't touch and we don't get near. Everybody's covered and wearing gloves and so on and so forth during the process. And so we look at this as a we look at this as a preventative measure for the physical end. In order to enter into the tabernacle area, you know, you could not be uh, discharging fluids, blood and so on and so forth because of the holiness. Okay, because of the holiness, but again, also because of the physical elements. And so we want to make sure that, that, again, that we're looking at this as a whole. We're looking at this from every aspect to see just ex- exactly what and why on what God said. You know, he said that you shall not touch any hollowed thing. Hollowed is, is that of holiness set apart. And so, yes, you know, God commanded to be fruitful and to multiply, but there had to be something, there had to be a way of doing things. And so... Unclean, at this, it didn't mean sinful or dirty here. Because God did, uh, did create us male and female. And, and so we want to look at that, and again, and we want to look at this as also, again, as, as dividing the word of, of, of truth here. Dividing it correctly. Why was the book of Leviticus also wrote, written? was because of pagan neighbors 
Israel was surrounded by neighbors that were doing very wretched, horrible, detestable things. You know, in the eyes of God. And to be honest with you, if a lot of people knew what people were doing, you know, if people knew what they were doing in, say, like the ancient Canaanite region is what we know as Israel, even people of sinful nature today would say, like, gosh, that's horrible, how wretched, how wrong. <laughs> that's how bad they were back in the days. That's why this was written, because God was preventing Israel as they were transitioning into the new land that they would not carry on in the traditions because, again, culture goes a long way. Culture carries in the places that, that really destroy places. And so we have to remember in these particular areas as they're going to be entering that Canaanite region, the Canaanite region, they, they basically they, they incorporated prostitution. They, they, they incorporated immoral rites and so on and so forth. People would beg their gods, you know, because they worshipped gods of fertility. They worshipped gods of weather like the god Baal, right, which was one of their... Which was one of the gods that ended up was being worshipped in Israel uh, for some time and really angered God. And, and they would worship this and, can, and, and take prostitution and, and, and all these other things as a form of worship and, and, and as a form of a ceremony. And they would basically take these sexual acts of theirs as nothing. You know, the, the Israelites worshipped God as their loving creator, their provider. And they thanked him for the bountiful crops and the, and the safe childbirth. Right? you got to remember, they didn't have hospitals. Everybody in this time frame was being born in a desert. <laughs> you know, and so you were being born in a desert, no hospital. So what do you do with it? You follow the instructions of God. And so we want to make sure, again, that we look at this very closely to just to see how good God is, because God is, God is amazing. And so, again, this had nothing to do with, a, um, with anything in regards to uh, anything sexist, if you will. But there were, symbolic, there were symbolic things here involved. And we're going to see that in verse 5 here in regards to the symbolic things that I want to go ahead and make sure that I clarify in verse 5 of Leviticus chapter 12. But verse 5, let's check this out real quick. It says, But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks, as in her customary impurity, and she shall continue in the blood of her purification 66 days. So interesting, for, for a female born, it was 14 days uh, unclean, and followed by 66 days from that of a ceremonial aspect. And so, we look at this. Why? <laughs> From a ceremonial standpoint, we are looking at this as the form of, of every child born, though innocent, is still a sinful child. We're, you know, we, we, bring a, we bring a sinner into the world. Adam and Eve did by, by Cain, who murdered his own brother. And so, every time that uh, every time that a, uh, a child is born, we bring another sinner into the world. And though they're innocent at the time, they're not going to be innocent for long. And so, there's also some medical aspects as well. Why the longer period? 
of time in regards to a female. Now, typically, females were a little bit smaller when they were born. And so by this, there had to be some focused care. There had to be focused attention, okay, on, on, on caring for, uh, for female babies. They weren't much smaller, but, but they were typically a little bit smaller, and, and there was some specific care that was needed. And what's interesting is, is that whenever a childbirth, uh, the delivery of a child is, very, is vital on their future. If a childbirth isn't delivered correctly, then, then many things will go wrong with them physically and in their lives, or even mentally at times. And, and so when we look at this whole aspect, the physical birth also connects with that of the spiritual birth. If, if your spiritual birth wasn't delivered correctly, you're going, to, you're going to grow with some problems, just as you would as if in your physical birth. If your physical birth had complications, there's going to be problems in your growth. And so we look at these things and, and wonder why and how. And so, again, as best as possible, trying to divide this word of truth into what and why. And which is why I said, again, sometimes it's good to do some medical research. And sometimes if you were a theologian and a doctor, say, like, like the Apostle Luke, I think the Apostle Luke would be a good person to, uh, um, to be teaching certain chapters in Leviticus. But, you know, again, we have enough information nowadays to understand what and why. And so there was particular aspects involved. Now, there again, having a male-born child was again in the Jewish culture was was the greatest of honor, uh, and so on and so forth. But again, there there has to be a female female children as well in order to produce. God is good. God creates. God had a plan for every single person. So there was a form of, of symbolic responsibility. Okay, whenever we bring other sinners into this world, we had to basically go through a process. We had to go through a physical medical process in order to in order to handle them. And now there has to be a ceremonial process in this aspect because of the fact that another child being born in this world, they had to be dedicated in some way, shape, or form. And so again. Nothing, nothing here to uh, to degrade anybody or to, or to, to degrade females, but there was more involved to it than meets the eye. There, there had to be special care. There had to be special doings for this aspect. You know, when uh, I know in certain, we're going to see it here pretty soon. But whenever a child was born, you know, a woman had to do particular sacrifices. You know, if you if you could afford it, a bull or a ram of sorts would be sacrificed. Or if you did not have money in order to, to afford those higher sacrifices, then God allowed that of like uh, turtle doves or pigeons to be sacrificed in the form of, of uh, the ritual after childbirth. Now, our, the Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, did just that. So Joseph and Mary obviously did not have a lot of money. And so we look at that and we say that, that, again, they were obedient to God's design. You know, it's funny, somebody made a valid point one time in regards to childbirth and the, and the, uh, the exposure of sinfulness in a, in a sense. Now, you know, when, 
Oh, I guess it had to have happened from the beginning of time. Adam and Eve were the first ones to fall, but but it was made known that you know as soon as a child is born, you know they make they make known when they're hungry by screaming, <laughs> you know, and and you have to kind of wonder was like, well, was that God's design? Now we know medically that that is is what what has to be done. We know medically that as soon as they as soon as a baby. Is taken out of the womb that they're they're crying to get their airwaves in and so on and so forth and then many other aspects are involved, but you know what you almost have to wonder what was God's original design for that, you know. So when a baby wants something, they sure make it known in a very sinful way if you think about it. So again, we see we're starting to see some of the foundations here on what and why, why why we see what we do and how things are. Uh, how things are handled. And so let's go ahead and continue here in verse, uh, let's look at verse 6 and 7. And it says, When the days of her purification are fulfilled, whether for a son or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And then she shall I'm sorry, then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, and she shall be clean from the flow of her blood, and this is the law for her who is born a male or a female. So this was a again a standard way of doing things for atonement. It it was basically why the women were involved in this. It was it was kind of like their part in, in bringing a child into the world as well. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God told Eve that that childbirth was going to be painful. It wasn't in the original design. So when everything happened the way it did, God was open and honest. This is how things are going to happen now. There's going to be pain in childbirth. There's going to be pain in growth. There's going to be issues and so on and so forth. And Again, I'd have to wonder what was his original design. I'm sure many women who have given birth many times wonder, gosh, what was God's original design because of how painful it is. And you have to remember, too, that back then in these days, too, I mean, they didn't have sedatives and they didn't have, um, you know, uh, epidural shots and other things that, that helped numb pain. You, you had to deal with much. They, they didn't have the technologies that we have. And so there was symbolic responsibility. And so on the women's end, they had to they had to um, bring their sacrifice, whether male or female. It was it was on them to bring because of what they brought into the world. Their parents had to do it. Their children will have to do it, and their grandchildren will have to do it, and great grandchildren. It's, it was a way of what God designed from a symbolic aspect. You know, we nowadays, what we do is is we will, a lot of times, we will dedicate a baby. And so we have a, uh, we, we have certain ways of doing things. We have, for the males, we have our circumcision. We still do it, and there's good medical aspect in regards to that. You know, if you were, if you were to have, um, you were to have a, a child, you still, after eight days, are required to, to, to do that. That was God's design. And there was good reason for it. Because you, you had to let the you had to let the child grow to an extent a little more, and, and, and 
And, and then you can basically circumcise them. We still practice that to this day by God's design. And, and so, we look at this as a form of, of medical meeting ritual. God gave us the medical reasons, but there was also a ritualistic reason for us to symbolically look at what and why. God gave free will on earth. Adam and Eve fell. Adam and Eve were deceived. And by that, the, the, the human race paid for it. And so this is God's way of making it right for the wrongdoing that was done. And so when I look at this, I think to myself, like, okay, well, we don't have to do this. But, you know, again, we, I, I see you now. I see why. We dedicate our children when they're born. We, you know, we, we, we take them to church and, and the pastors or the priests will dedicate this baby to God. We, we, we pray over them and, and, and we, you know, we, we, we help the parents with uh, godly advice and so on and so forth. This was God's way of the, of the dedication back in these days. This was God's way of dedication. And so we look at things a little differently now. And, and I see why, again, when I look at the ways of the world, and I see how things are going with families, and, and the way things are going with parents, and so on and so forth, we, we have really lost a very important concept of truth. We have lost a very important concept of, of God's ways. And so, when people were obedient to God, and looking at these things, and doing these things, he was pleased by it. It was good. It was good for them physically. It was good for them spiritually. Because God loved his people. He loved his creation. And, and, and he wanted to make sure that they had the best. And so, looking at this, I think to myself, wow, God really is amazing. Because he wanted us to, to, to be well, but he also wanted us to be well spiritually more than anything. Remember, you know, this was a way of remembrance. Remembering what and why we do what we do. Yes, there were some there's some spiritual aspects of, of, of rituals and stuff. It's kind of like us with taking communion. Will we take communion to remember the death of Christ and and to celebrate the death of Christ through the blood that was sacrificed and the broken body? You know, this had to be done in order for, for remembrance of, of who we are and what we are and why we got the way we did. So God was just, again, giving us some good insight on what to do here. Now, verse 8, which is all there is left of chapter 12, it says, And if she is not able to bring a lamb, then she may be, uh, bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons as a burnt offering, and the other as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for her, and she will be clean. So again, as I mentioned before, I mentioned the, uh, the example of, of Mary and Joseph, how they used turtle doves. Because God knew, God knew that not everybody could afford to bring a lamb. <laughs> I mean, even, even the, the parents of our Lord and Savior couldn't. They had to use two uh, turtle doves or something. Pigeons, one of the two they could use. Turtle doves, I believe, is what it was that they used. 
So Jesus himself, he didn't come from a wealthy family. But he was the richest. He was the richest out of anybody. He was the savior. He was the one chosen because he was pure. He was without sin. Mary and Joseph went and did what they had to do in the, in the sacrifices and in the dedication at the temple because they were obedient to God. But Jesus was the pure fire. He was the one who made all things clean. And he's the one who makes all things clean now. And so, no longer do we have to bring an offering. He is the offering. He was the offering. He, he, was, he was everything, all in one. And so I want us to uh, to take a look at that real quick, that to, just to know that that it was Welcome it was just again it was just the, the Lord saying, "I got this covered. I got this covered once and for all by the blood of the Lord and Savior Christ Jesus." And so let us take a moment now to reflect on that. That if it weren't for him, if it weren't for him, we'd still be having to do a lot of these things. If it weren't for him, we wouldn't have a place in heaven. He had to be the sacrifice. And he had to be born just like you and I. So, this time right now, is a very vital time because this right here is the receiving of that sacrifice. That sacrifice who's living to this day is our Lord and Savior. So I want us to, to take a moment now to reflect and, and to take a chance here on receiving our Lord and Savior because it's the greatest thing here that you could ever do. And I say take a chance because you've been taking chances every single day with your life. Why not take a chance with something that's guaranteed? A guaranteed place in heaven. So I want you to I want you to repeat after me if you feel led. To receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And and therefore therefore you will have your place set in eternity. So if you feel led, I want to give you the opportunity to, to close your eyes and bow your head. And to say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I receive you now, Lord, as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of all of my sins. Cleanse me of my sins, Lord. And I thank you for dying for my sins, Lord, for dying for me. As I receive you as my Lord, I receive you as my Savior. I receive you in my heart now. And I thank you for all that you've done and I thank you for all that you continue to do. And when my time comes, I want to be with you, Father. So I thank you again 
for taking me now, as I receive you now as my Father, my Lord, and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, again, how sweet it is. I pray that you, of all things, that you got equipped in some way, shape, or form in knowing who God is. But really, you're going to know who God is better by receiving His Son as your Lord and Savior. And, and so, I want to invite you again just to continue. To continue to follow. And, and, and so, we just want to take this time to to say, you know what, you're loved, you're wanted. <laughs> he loves you. He's been waiting for you. And it's good to have you. One way, shape, or form, we're going to see each other in eternity if I don't get to see you here. So I pray that you will just continue to walk faithfully and in strength. And may you enjoy the Lord and Savior as much as He'll enjoy you. So may God bless you and keep you and keep you in His loving hands at all times. God bless you.